0: Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Steven Maggi. When
3: you come to Vegas... There's a lot of great comedians, no question. And some of the very best are here. They're not quite on the strip, but they're working in great places like the Orleans, and that's our guest, Adam London, who's been there for a while, and uh, people absolutely love him. You'll remember him, because you're always trying to remember, his is rubber ducks. Now explain that, Adam. What's with the fascination (laughs) with the ducks?
4: (laughs) I'm glad you asked, Stephen. I love ducks. Uh, Actually, you know what what happened? uh, A friend of mine... Years ago, uh, my dentist actually—I uh, had to go get a root canal on my birthday, Ooh. and I was super frustrated. I was like, "Why?" I'm like, "And that's the only time he could do it." And he goes, "I'll tell you what—I'll uh, bring you a present." I said, "Fine." And so he brought me a, a present that was this rubber duck tie, and I have worn that rubber duck tie ever since he gave it to me at the dentist's office. I was just thrilling and hilarious. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to start wearing it. So I started wearing it to different events and then started wearing it on stage and it just became part of who I who I was and then the show. And, and now I've got kids bringing me rubber ducks from all over the world.
0: <laughs> that's great.
3: Well, you know, that's the thing. When people think of rubber ducks, it does put a smile on your face. You know, I mean, the, you, you can't get angry at a rubber duck, right?
4: <laughs> No, no, no. And they're always smiling. I've never seen a rubber duck with a frown. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been
3: doing this for a while now, and we love you in Vegas. There's no question about it. Doing, what, what do they call it, card tricks, but with a lot of humor. And uh, That's right. You started all, it was your grandfather, which I think is a great way to learn who better to get your career started than your grandfather. What, what, what did he do? Did he always have a deck of cards with him or what?
4: You know what? Well, he was an amateur magician. He was a uh, a civil engineer by trade. That was his actual job, and uh, but he was he was a part time farmer too, uh, and so he had we had we farmed goats at the time, and so one of the ways he'd come over and and, and get us to do yard work and help take care of his goats was by teaching us magic trick magic tricks card tricks we were really cheap hires so he would so he would pull out a deck of cards and then do a couple of card tricks for us he was just an amateur magician but he was a pretty good card magician for being an amateur and uh watching him perform and and you know at family reunions he'd perform and he'd always have this little monkey that he'd walk around with too and and do a little ventriloquism and so he wasn't really a performer by trade, but uh, he would do it here and there, and I just picked it up from him.
3: It was it when you go to these family uh, outings or what have you, when you'd see him and everybody was paying attention to him, you just look at it and go, That's for me. I, I want to get that kind of attention as well. <laughs>
4: That's exactly what it was. (laughs) I'm the youngest of four, so anything we could do for attention, we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, but then so you got good at those, but you knew that you
3: you can't just go and do tricks for a living. So you got to do more, and you really developed comedy, and you you
4: did it the hard way. You went out to comedy
3: clubs all over the place, right, and kind of worked it. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. So I started out doing, uh, you know, open mic nights. here and there, and then uh, I started getting bookings throughout the United States in different comedy clubs. And so my act isn't actually formed in a in a magic club setting. It's actually formed in a comedy club setting. So there's just different magic clubs all throughout the world, as there are comedy clubs. And I I learned how to develop it in a comedy club. So that's why my magic is mostly funny.
3: Yeah. Well, and I remember going to the Magic Castle when I lived down in Southern California mm-hmm. for a while great place and you have to be good to work there you know it's not it's not a place where somebody yeah. can go because you got to get the acceptance of those guys first before you go out and take it to the world
4: <laughs> that's right that's right uh, and and the magic castle is still there today and uh, it's the, one of the oldest magic clubs in in the country it's still down in Hollywood California it's a great club to work too I've worked out a couple of times too it's really fun well now you're you're a
3: Las Vegas institution now what it's been over 10 years correct?
4: Over 10 years, yeah. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary back in June. So I never thought, I, it's crazy, I never thought I'd be doing this in Vegas for 10 years. When I was a little kid, I, I always thought it'd be cool to do a little magic show in Vegas. But ne- I, I never thought I'd go for 10 years, and, and it just we just keep going.
3: <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. I People always ask me, what do you do in Vegas? Because obviously because of the show and so forth. And one of the things I used to tell them you know, for a long time now is to go and see you, Adam London, because I go, it's a great show. It was a little earlier than some of the – it's amazing to me how many people love the late afternoon start instead of the 7.30 start. Do you, do you find that, too, that people just love that, particularly if you got families and that kind of thing?
4: Yeah, well, and 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 oftentimes, you know, people will come and see my show and then go hit up another show uh, later at night. And it, it's I, I I think the afternoon is ideal, especially with families with little kids, because then they're not out late watching shows in Vegas. You know, uh, going seeing Cirque du Soleil. I think their shows start at nine thirty and or seven thirty and nine thirty. Anyway, uh, an earlier show I think is more convenient for families.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you like families. You actually like little kids. You know, a lot of entertainers around town, eh, you know, let them get to at least 14 or 15 (laughs) before they come. But you you like them and you enjoy it.
4: I do. I have four of my own, and they are just so much fun to have and to tease and to goof off with. And I've always liked little kids and families. Like, kids are kids. That's that's when I got started in Magic when I was a little kid. So, you know, if you get these little kids – harness their uh, harness their magic abilities when they're younger. Maybe they'll go and I'll see their shows when they're older.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's always fun to go to those magic stores and stuff, and you'll see some little kids, and they want to get it down so bad. And, boy, w- w- when you get that, and you can get people to go, how did you do that? That must be the greatest line you can hear, right? How did you do that? <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> very carefully. Uh, well, my favorite my favorite response is, uh, David Copperfield used to say uh, when people would say, how did you do that? And he goes, very well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is good.
3: You know, that's an interesting thing. You're around town. Do you uh, do you stay in touch with some of the local people? I mean, do you guys have kind of a fraternity, or is it something like, no, you you show up, you go, you do your work, and you go home?
4: <laughs> you know what? It's, it, it's really sad, Stephen. I have a lot of magic friends that perform in town, and Oftentimes, like we'll we'll try to get together as much as we can. Um, uh, but like they're you know they're doing their own shows and they got their families too. And so yeah, there is a brotherhood and a, and a like a fraternity of, of magicians. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, you run into them at the store, you run into them at the gym. And you're like, hey, hey, we should get <laughs> together. We should get together. And then. Before you know it, you're seeing him again two years later going, we still have never gotten together.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you worked, I remember you were down, uh, now you're at the Orleans, but you were downtown, weren't you? Was
4: it at the D, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we were downtown at the D Hotel for uh, about seven years. And then uh, we moved over to uh, the Orleans about three years ago, and we, we loved it. We've loved uh, our move, and uh, the, the Orleans has taken really good care of us over there these last few years.
3: The Orleans is a great place and people love it and they can park there for free and everything and uh, Yeah. You know, it, it's just a fun place. It's easy to get in and out of and so forth. So that that's terrific. But you know, I remember when you were at the D, it was and the D it, it, in my mind its as greatest as Circa is the D was the hotel that turned everything around in in downtown Las Vegas. It just was a great feel and I think your show and there was a couple of others that were like that. I guess it was Marriage Can Be Murder and there was a couple of yeah. others it really brought life back to a place that really had been kind of been taking a beating for the the previous yeah. ten
4: 20 years yeah and they and <laughs> downtown needed it like uh, they needed to get some some entertainment down there and uh, and and the D hotel was one that really livened it up and brought people in and uh, we had our shows there and uh, and then there's a couple others still down there to this day, but uh, yeah we uh, we enjoyed our time down there.
3: Well, and I'm glad you're going to the Orleans. That's a good place as well. And uh, it's a very popular place, not only for locals, but people coming from out of town enjoy it as well. So That's it's great. got that nice mix. Okay, I, we're going to tell people how they can get to the show. and wh- you, you have an interesting setup in the sense it's not just tickets. You can go a number of different ways. But before we do that, i got to ask you, anytime I'm looking at stuff and I see Guinness Book of World Records, I find it fascinating because it's always weird stuff, whatever. And I guess your wife was trying to get people, uh, her kids, into reading. You know, I, when I say her kids, she was a t- fourth-grade teacher, so I don't mean literally your kids, but her class t- uh, kids. And you came up with some stuff. Kind of talk
4: about and there's two of them. <laughs> yeah, so so my wife uh, was the reading specialist in the fourth grade, and then she became the librarian uh, just last year of the school. And while she was the fourth-grade teacher, the this uh, reading specialist – she wanted to get these kids to to like find joy in reading and so what we did was we 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 made a plan that every every book that the kids read and then passed an accelerated reader test of 80% or better they would receive a glow stick and then we took all of those glow sticks and we formed this massive chain of glow sticks i think it was like 2 miles long oh, wow <laughs> Uh, and we just we just roped them around the the playground of the school, and and uh, I, it worked out. And the kids' um, reading scores went up and off the charts. And then the school was doing really they they did really well, uh, Brookman Elementary School. And then a couple years went by, and my wife's like, "Okay, we need to do another one." And then we did the longest chain of pipe cleaners. And then so we said that every every book that a kid passed a test on eighty percent or better, we'd give them ten pipe cleaners, and then we'd make a chain. And then that one was like. Oof! I can't even remember. That was over three miles long. It was insane, <laughs> yeah. just seeing all of these pipe cleaners in a chain all across that that field at the elementary school. It was it was pretty fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it must be great to be in her
3: class. I gotta say, two time winner of Guinness Book of World Records.
4: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and what's kind of frustrating too, Stephen, was the after we did the um, uh, the glow stick one. There's a company in Europe that beat it the very next year. Yes.
3: Yeah. And
4: I was like, come on. Seriously, you want to let an elementary school have it for at least a year? Yeah. Uh, but we're still – so we we are Guinness World Record holders regardless. Uh, but that one was broken. Uh, but then the pipe cleaners one still hasn't been broken. <laughs> All
3: right. Are you got any others planned? Are you thinking of any, or are you going to retire? You know, it's,
4: it's funny. My wife, uh, we, we, my wife, she comes up with these crazy – we come up with crazy ideas – when we go on road trips. So we were out in Tennessee uh, this summer for a family reunion. We're driving through the, you know, the woods, the hills of Tennessee. And my wife starts talking and then we start bouncing ideas off of each other. And, Man, she she's got one plan. So we'll see what happens.
3: <laughs> well, definitely, uh, if you do that, come on board. We'll we'll promote them the most we can. That's great. But let's promote Absolutely. your show right now because it is a great show. Absolutely, Thursday through Sunday, four o'clock over at the Orleans. Uh, what are they? They start seating what about a half hour before? Is that right?
4: That's right. Yeah, about well about fifteen minutes before. So the doors open at three forty-five. Uh, and then, uh, we get everybody loaded in by, uh, you know, by four o'clock, we start the show. It's about an hour and 10 minutes long
0: yeah, and, uh,
4: we have a good time.
3: It sounds like a lot of fun. Now there's, there's different ways you go and they're really cool. Tell people about like your VIP and, uh, I think you have another one too. It's a, you can just go if you, if you're not, if you're not convinced, go ahead. The next time you'll come back, you'll do the VIP thing. Cause it's great. Talk, talk about that.
4: Yeah, so we have a Presto Magic ticket. So the VIP ticket, you're you, just guaranteed an up-close seat. And then the Presto Magic ticket, uh, after the show, I'll come out. And uh, uh, after everybody leaves, then I, I come out and I spend some time with the Presto Magic ticket people and uh, teach the magic tricks uh, after the show. And we sit in the showroom and, and learn magic and talk magic. And they get to go home with some props in their hand.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really a lot of fun. And that just kind of adds to it. Plus, you get a rubber duck, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that. Well, Adam London, no. thank you so much for being with us today. We are going to go see your show, and we'll be talking with you again sometime. Cool. Thanks, Stephen. Please follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, which includes X, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas,
2: go! Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's get away. Do you have a car sitting around you want to get rid of? Then here's a great idea. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Yes, one fast call to the Veteran Car Donation Program and will come and remove your car for free. Fast, free towing and 24-hour response. You can donate most cars, trucks or SUVs in most conditions. The proceeds raised goes to help active military, veterans and their families and you get a tax deduction. All you need to do is make this free call. Get rid of that old car and help the vets. We make it easy. Make this free call now and book your fast and easy pickup. Call the Veteran Donation Program now. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Operators are standing by. Here's the number.
0: 800-932-1176. 800-932-1176. 800-932-1176. That's 800-932-1176. And now, another film rental
1: discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Professional wrestling is often the butt of jokes, usually something about the matches being faked and the wrestlers themselves being meatheads. But in Darren Aronofsky's powerful character study, The Wrestler, that same wrestling world is filled with hard workers just seeking to make their fans and themselves happy. Randy the Ram Robinson has long left his glory days behind. He is an aging legend, full of the pain and anguish of adjusting to a life of non-entity. He works at a supermarket deli counter, occasionally wrestling in weekend matches until he can set up a 20th anniversary match against his old rival, the Ayatollah. Yet after a post-match heart attack, his doctor recommends he give up wrestling for good. Randy is left with time to reconnect with an estranged daughter, kindle a romance, and figure out his next move. Randy is played by Mickey Rourke, who won critical acclaim and many awards, including an Oscar nomination, for this comeback role. Aronofsky's assured direction is appropriately somber, bringing home how tremendously heartbreaking it can be to find oneself out of the limelight with no way out of the shadows. Set in the world of a fringe sport, The Wrestler is a powerful and moving observation of pride in the search for relevance as we age. The Wrestler, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com.